boys and welcome to another episode of the EHS Unplugged Podcast. In this episode, we delve into worker participation in uh, HSE decision making. With me today um, is an individual who is experienced in this area. I mean, at least he's had an opportunity to tackle this particular issue. So that's why we brought him on board. So let me give him an opportunity to introduce himself. Kalibu. Hi guys, I'm Lawrence Lagat. I am working with Atlas Town as a health and safety manager. And I would say that uh, I am passionate about health and safety as a whole. And I think uh, through today's uh, topic, we are going to learn from each other. And uh, I think uh, it's back to you, Viviana. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for honoring my invite to be here. It means a lot to me and my audience because you guys are the experts really. You've been in the industry for so long and some of these issues might seem new to us, but you guys have got an opportunity to deal with them, solve them in one way or another. So that's why I brought it first to bring you on board. So to, to today's topic, we, we want to talk about um, worker participation in uh, health and safety uh, decision making. So just tell us exactly what, 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 what do we mean when we say worker participation in decision making? So, uh, worker participation, or in other sense, uh, workforce involvement, uh, entails uh, ways in which uh, an organization, that is now the management, together with the workers, coming together and discussing issues of mutual concern. So these issues could range from issues that touch on processes that happen within the organization, it could also touch on the equipment that exists within the organization. It could also touch on the designs that exist. So in the discussion, the main aim is uh, to come up with a solution on how you're going to uh, better the processes, better the equipment that are there, and better, obviously, the productivity of the company. So it's crucial to ensure that uh, companies have ways in which workers are engaged, because in that interaction, workers are able to air their concern. Also, companies are also able to raise their concern towards their workers. And in the long run, these concerns are taken into effect as the decisions are being made towards the execution of the various tasks that exist. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, at least that makes sense now. Um, but then, uh, let's also talk about the approaches. Which is the best way or the best approaches available to us when we want to, you know, involve our workers more in decision making? So uh, I would say that uh, in the industry, we have various ways in which uh, organizations can really engage their workforce towards obviously the better decision making. Uh, they are not clear cut solutions for specific uh, organizations. What I would say is we have a couple of ways. A way will work for one company and it won't work well for another. But now what is there is the best way would be you benchmark from the industry and see what worked well in company A that might work well in our company and what are we not doing so well that we can borrow from other. So I would say that uh, with regards to worker participation, some of the best ways in which you can approach this would be, the first thing is obviously, do you have a program on that? So it means you have to have a program of engaging 
workers. So first, by having a program, it means you need to plan well for that program. So planning for the program entails resourcing. So you need to have, obviously, the financials behind it. So it means it has to be included in a budget. It could be the yearly budget for the company. The other thing would be now the personnel. And now the personnel would be, because now we are speaking about work representation within the company, it means that you have to have a good sample of, uh, a good representative sample within the company. So if you have a big company whereby it has various departments or business units, it means every unit should be represented maybe by an individual or more depending on how the structure is. So you could have maybe, uh, within this uh, program, you could have maybe a financial expert, you could have maybe a technical expert, you could have an operator, you could have a trainer. So assuming that you have all these departments, you could even have a, a, a field technician being maybe uh, one of the guys yeah, who will be there. So that is one uh, aspect of it in which you need to ensure that uh, you carefully plan and then you ensure that everyone is represented within it. And then the other thing would be you also need to understand the pain points with regards to workforce involvement. You need to maybe read from the rest. You understand the pain points of maybe your competitor or your partner so that you're able to come up with a, a good blend on how you're going to approach it. So understanding barriers towards it, because we have various barriers. And barriers such as maybe mistrust, maybe among the workforce. Other barriers could be maybe poor planning that has happened maybe to company X, maybe stalling of maybe the, the initially planned workforce involvement initiatives is also another thing that you need to look into before you can really uh, have it. So I think uh, those are some of the things that at the initial stages you need to look into before you can even have a, a real uh, uh, program running. Let me ask you, I like that you mentioned uh, the barriers, but we discussed that towards the end. Yeah. But management, do yeah. they come in at this point? When you're talking about the approaches? Oh, the management. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when you talk about financing, yeah. it's management. Yeah. So when you're talking about uh, um, uh, involvement of employees, management has to come in. Yeah. They have to fully support. Yeah. So are there any tips you know that you can use to you know, ensure that we have the support of management? Yeah. So that this whole program becomes a success. Yeah, what I would say is, uh, first of all, let us give it a legal, a legal background. Eh? Mm -hmm. First of all, is it a requirement for companies or management to engage workers? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. ILO stipulates it very well that uh, if you check on the conventions, you see that Kenya is a member of ILO, and having ratified some of the conventions, one of the conventions which touches on worker participation, we have a Occupational Health and Safety Convention, which is C55, which touches on worker participation. So, Kenya already ratified it, and it means that we have to implement it. And if you check also on our OSHA Act 2007, there is a whole set of subsection that touches on worker participation. And OSHA, if you check OSHA specifically touches on a requirement whereby when a company holds people in excess of maybe 20 as part of their staff, they need to have a health and safety committee. But now that does not also prevent you to do that if you have even less than 20. So are we obliged as companies to have these programs within our 
place, yes. So that is very important, and I think that is uh, the best thing that you can use maybe to engage top management to understand whether it is a legal requirement. But besides it being a legal requirement, it's also a, a moral requirement because it's, it's, a, it's a moral duty as a company whereby our goal or the goals of companies would be obviously to achieve prof profitability in the, in the long run. But how do you achieve it? It means you have to ensure that your processes are very effective from the resources uh, to obviously the products that you're going to sell or to maybe give to your customers. So how do you achieve this? It means that you have to take the necessary steps. And now, who are going to do this job? It's the workers. So if workers do not understand that, understand the ways in which they are going to do it well, it means you are going to fail in maybe your objective as a company. So worker participation is critical not only in the actual task of achieving what you want as a company is also important for them to understand maybe for, for them to understand the work that they are supposed to do and the views that they have in, in case some things are not working well so that you do not predispose them obviously to injury because injury is costly yeah. if an, an employee gets injured what does that imply they might lose days what does it mean you might have to have people on overtime that is a cost by itself uh, you can also have claims because if they get injured they, they have to claim eh? and so that is a uh, whole thing that uh, gives the necessity of ensuring that companies take up workforce involvement in their decision making yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I you've also mentioned financial though you didn't um, uh, but it also comes in mm -hmm. so let me let's talk about the benefits yeah if you involve employees in, you know, purchasing instrument making, are there any tangible benefits? Yeah. Because remember, at the end of the day, the mm. whole idea is to convince CEOs, top yeah. management, to invest in health and safety. And this is one way. So, what are the benefits? So, a couple of uh, benefits accrue mm. if you effectively engage your workforce. Mm. First of all, you're engaging your workforce to understand their issues, take up those issues, and see how you're going to solve them. Mm -hmm. And basically, the decision-making we are speaking about is risk-based decision-making because as these people are undertaking their tasks, there are risks that are posed towards their tasks. Mm -hmm. And obviously, this risk predispose them to what we call maybe injury, harm, illnesses. So if you do proper engagement of employees and you take uh, their concerns seriously and obviously, put them into your decision-making process. It means it will translate into the long run to obviously a reduction in reportable incidences. It will also lead to a reduction in reported occupational incidences, a reduction in injury rates. It will also lead to good company reputation because everyone would like to work with a company that is appreciative of its staff. Yeah, you want to work in a safer environment, a healthy and a safer environment. That is the thing. So overall speaking, uh, workforce involvement, I would say, is it helps improve compliance. It increases the need for safety regards. It also builds trust among your workforce because if you trust your manager that if you are going to air your concern and they are going to take it up, then you will be free to raise any concern that concerns your health and safety. And in the long run, obviously, are going to have a, a company that will be performing very well in terms of their mandates or I would say in terms of their business despite the fact that they might be handling a very risky maybe kind of job.
Yeah. Okay, so I know those, those are some of the benefits. Um, yeah. But normally they also say that um, the more you involve employees, then you also have an opportunity of, I mean, or how do I put this? You get an opportunity to identify skill sets that sure. you've been overlooking all this time. So that when an opportunity arises or a vacancy in the company, because normally in companies we look for health and safety representatives on site. Yeah. But how are you going to be able to identify that individual on site if they're not able to bring up these issues to your attention, right? Yeah. So I think that should also be another benefit. Oh, sure. But let me also ask you this. Um, do you think a culture of a company, the HSC culture, it has to be mature to a certain level for worker participation to even become a success? Yeah. Yeah. I would say the level of maturity really is crucial because uh, if a company is still in the pathological state, mm -hmm. if you're still thinking about whether you require uh, to have some regards towards safety within your company, whether there is need to have some PPEs when your people are working for you, mm -hmm. it means uh, there are things that you cannot think about. You cannot even think about engaging your employees. Mm -hmm. you. So if the top management does not see the need, that really is a big blow because worker participation cannot even thrive there. Yeah. I would say that worker participation really thrives when you are at that stage that we call that uh, the proactive stage. Yeah. yeah, because now you start from below, then you come to reactive, and so it will work from proactive towards the mature. So the maturity of a company really matters. Yeah, yeah. so you cannot really think of such when you are still in the beginning. But obviously, as you plan, assuming that you are entering into the market as a new business. Mm -hmm. As you plan, it's good that you benchmark with others, mm -hmm. those who have been in, in the industry, see how they have done well, what they are doing so well, and see how you can do it. Because as you're starting as a company, most of the times you will not start at that stage. You'll mm -hmm. start from the beginning as, as you progress. Mm -hmm. So you can start with certain elements of maturity mm -hmm. still in your pathological stage because you can do well in a certain, you can, uh, I, I can liken it to when we were at our maybe high school stage, mm -hmm. when we had several subjects that you we were handling. You, you have uh, around seven subjects mm -hmm. that you are supposed maybe to handle. Mm -hmm. You are doing so well in others and you are doing poorly in others. Mm -hmm. So similarly for uh, health and safety decision making within a company, certain things at the beginning stage of uh, maybe growth of a company, you could be doing so well in certain elements, but not doing well others. And obviously, your maturity will be measured based on all of them. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it could come early, it could come at the very onset, but obviously it will work well. When this works well, it means everything else must be doing so well. Mm -hmm. So involvement will work well when obviously other factors are, are working well within the organization. Yeah, but that's just... That was just giving me an idea for the next episode. Sorry to be saying this here, but maybe next time we could discuss, you know, the status of OSH in, you know, uh, small, medium uh, enterprises, SMEs. Sure. But that's for another day. Okay. So uh, let me also ask you this: What are the barriers? I know you mentioned some yeah. at the beginning, but mm -hmm. what are some of the barriers that you've encountered in trying to bring on board employees? So Vivian, uh, I would say that initially I mentioned a few barriers towards the uptake of. Uh, participation within various organizations uh, and I would say that uh, there are two most uh, common plus others eh? but the two most common are issues concerning uh, ownership and trust. So
So let me go with trust. For trust, uh, for many organizations in the past, it has been found, and also based on the experience that uh, when workers air their concerns to their managers, at times those uh, concerns rest with the managers. They do not go all the way towards the top management. So when you raise an issue, for example, with your manager, the manager fails to escalate it higher. So it means you are, the issue rests with the manager and your issue is not solved. So what does it imply in the long run? It means that in future you might not be willing or you, yes, you might not be willing to, to raise another concern because if they always rest with the manager and nothing is being done, then there's no need. So this means that workers are going to keep health and safety information to themselves. If there are hazards, if there are issues with their sites, they are not going to, to, to raise them because they know they are not going to be sorted. So that is one of the biggest barriers. The other thing is now ownership. Uh, the ownership of health and safety, I would say, has been quite low within companies. Uh, traditionally, as it has been, the health and safety issues or matters usually rest with the health and safety rep or manager. So, for workforce involvement to take place, there's need for the entire workforce to take part in it so that it becomes a collective bargain uh, process within, within the company. So, in addition to the two, we also have uh, barriers such as uh, uh, poor planning. Remember, you need to plan. It's a program. You need to put timelines. You need to obviously resource it. So if you do not plan very well at the onset for this uh, worker participation program within your organization, uh, it's not going to go on well. And then in addition, or I would say similar to that, would be the sustenance of existing programs. So if you already have a program that is running and then you fail to sustain it, sustaining it means you have to ensure that what has been set is being implemented. If you have timelines, if you have targets, they are being achieved. If they fail to be achieved, you look for ways in which you are going to review and ensure that they are met maybe next time and look for obviously the issues and the underlying issues that you are able to solve them. So those are the main barriers towards obviously implementing a good workforce involvement program within a company. No, I mean, I was going to ask you about sustainability yeah. of this whole program, but you already it. answered that. Yeah. So let's talk about victimization, because I know victimization comes oh, in. I get so how do I, how do I deal, or how would someone or an agency uh, professional deal with victimization when trying to, you know, increase uptake of uh, an employee, you know, participation? So uh, victimization is very common uh, within. Uh, various companies because obviously no one wants to be put on the spot for not having done X, Y, or Z. So when you escalate maybe an issue that was supposed to be handled by someone and then the management takes, takes it up and obviously they have maybe they, they have to maybe penalize someone or obviously they have to suspend someone. I would say generally suspend someone because of such a violation. Obviously, those people are going to victimize over you, especially if they are your manager. If they are, your managers fail to maybe do their part in terms of uh, executing such certain mandates, they victimize you maybe for for escalating them. So uh, the best ways in which I've seen work 
for escalating issues so that you avoid the aspect of victimization would be one would be the issue uh, I would say the approach would be anonymity one of the best uh, approaches would be anonymity so this is whereby you can have uh, things such as suggestion boxes whereby people can just drop uh, suggestions there without even writing their names but obviously they have to put enough details so so that you understand what the issue is the other thing would be you could have uh, what we call uh, uh, forums such as uh, online forums you can have web-based forums could be an email where, which is only accessed maybe by the health and safety uh, professional. So you have uh, maybe an HSE email whereby this email is circulated to all workers so that if you have a concern, you just uh, file that concern. And then the, obviously the privacy should be assured to every worker whereby you tell them, if you send this mail to here, no one will be, uh, no, no one will reveal your information. So you are objectively concerned about the issue at hand. Uh, I've seen also uh, other organizations, especially like now the organization that I work with, we have what we call uh, safety cards. So within these safety cards, because at times uh, for the field worker, uh, it's hard to have that handyman uh, possess maybe an email address or even a smartphone to start with them. So you could have a safety card whereby when you go to a site, you can distribute those cards to obviously those who are the all members of the site. And you educate them, you inform them that uh, if you have any concern, just call this number or text this number about the concern. You can mention the site name and we are going to preserve your safety. Mm -hmm. So obviously these people, even if they are not going to uh, escalate the issue when it happened that very day, mm -hmm. maybe when they get to their home, at the comfort of their home, because now they might be feeling safer at home, they can even call you and tell you, I'm so and so, or even they might not even mention their name, but they'll tell you, I was at this site, you came, you gave us a card, and this is the problem that I'm facing. I'm hoping that you're going to help us sort it. So that way also is very critical because now you can assure them that they should report tomorrow to the to work. You're going to handle the issue and you're not going to, to report them. So I think those are some of the best things that you can utilize to avoid victimization. Yeah. So let me ask you also this. Um, when it comes, how do we know that I have successfully implemented this such a program? So the success of uh, a program yeah. would be in terms of uh, uh, what I would say feedback. Mm -hmm. So if you need to know whether you're doing well, basically it's a feedback. Just like when I meet you somewhere and you help me at some point, I would say, I, Thank you, Vivian. Last time you really sorted me out. I'm happy. And obviously, we'll go smiling, knowing that you helped someone. So, feedback is very critical. And feedback would still come in the form of suggestion boxes. Because if you have a program in place, and you have set targets and timelines, mm -hmm. one thing would be, obviously, as you review, to, when you come to review this program, is, are we achieving our targets? So, you could have those uh, the KPIs. Eh? So you're ticking the boxes. Have yeah, we achieved the timelines? Yes. Uh, is everyone happy? Uh, what are the issues of concern that are currently being handled? Are they so big or very small? So you can assess based on also the issues that now are cropping up as you progress with your uh, with your tasks. So very critical. And then obviously uh, the other thing would be you also need to have suggestion boxes, as I've said, whereby you ask people to do what to review. 
a certain program. The view was this done well, was this not done well? And then from that view, you're able to assess whether you're okay. That is when you can also put faces there. Yeah. Do you strongly agree with this? Put an emoji whether they are happy with this or not. So from there, I think you can do your own data analysis and see whether the program is working where well. you need to improve based on the feedback. So feedback is very important. So when you started out, you, you, we, we, the main, we really made it clear that um, top management has to be involved. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do they need trainings? Yeah. Because you know most of our CEOs, they do not have any background in health and safety. Even the basic training they don't have. So we're trying to come to them and say, you know, I want to involve employees all the way from there, plus my individual what sort of training are available to uh, CEOs? So, uh, training is very critical because information is power and the lack of it means you might not uh, know what is happening and that's why, as you have said, at times the management might not even approve of certain critical uh, budgets within maybe the health and safety department of their companies. So, one thing that is very crucial even before we speak about uh, the need for training would be having an HSC professional within that company because who understands these issues? Why do you need this program? It's, it's the health and safety professional. So one thing is having a, an HSC lead and who is qualified. You know, at times uh, some companies could pick someone from the management or from maybe their workforce and make them the... For compliance. Yeah, just to make them <laughs> compliant. <laughs> yeah, for... <laughs> But now the problem is that the people could be lacking knowledge. Eh? So you obviously there are limits in terms of knowledge. If you do not know something, you do not know. And obviously it might also take time for such a person to understand obviously the gains that the industry has done and obviously make their company comply with that. So it's very important that you have one, an HSC professional. So after having one, obviously this professional understands obviously all of these uh, requirements in terms of training. So that is when they have to do induction trainings, obviously, for workers. They also organize management trainings. They also have what we also have what we call the committee trainings. So obviously, by having a management rep within, obviously, the committee, it means they are all, they are going to get this information through trainings. And if they get this information, obviously, they'll be appreciative of it by understanding, obviously, the benefits that will accrue to the company yeah. by uh, by executing such a, a program within there. The, 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 the company. Yeah. yeah. This has been a very informative session. Uh, Florence, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for coming. I know it was on a very short notice. I mean, I called you just the other day and then you came. So thank you very much for coming here and sharing insights on worker participation. Because um, health and safety, normally we say it's continuous improvement. Sure. It, overnight, you cannot change the culture. Sure. It takes those small, small steps daily to get to, and even when you get to a proactive, you know, culture, you still not there yet. You still find there are those gaps, very small, small gaps that you probably would ignore as you are growing, right? So it's a continuous process. So thank you very much for coming and uh, sharing your insights or your experience on this area with us. You're welcome, Lillian. And uh, to add to what you just said, in fact, uh, I would put it this way, health and safety is not a finite process. As you come towards the end of a certain process, another one begins. So the ball has to keep rolling. So you have to update your design, you have to update your SOPs, you have to update your risk analysis. So 
because risks also change depending on the equipment, the technology. Yeah. So thank you so much also for holding me here. I feel honored, and I would like to. I hope that uh, our conversation is also going to touch on someone there, and uh, we are also going to continue preaching the gospel of ensuring that we have healthier and safer workplaces within uh, this country and beyond. So thank you guys for joining us. Uh, join us here next week, Friday um, at 6 p.m. We release episodes on YouTube. Every Monday we have our audio um, episodes on all audio distribution platforms. So join us. Bye. Bye.